Today on Locked On Twins, we're going to talk about the news of the day and most importantly, dive into our primary topic, which is how much transparency the Twins owe fans with regards to injuries. So sit back, buckle up, and get comfortable. Locked On Twins starts now. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And hello again. Welcome back to Locked On Twins, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm your host, Brandon Warren, and today we're going to talk about a number of things, including how transparent the Twins need to be with regards to injuries with their fans. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about World Baseball Classic, a little bit of the news of the day, and that sort of thing. As a reminder, I would love if you could be active in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a review if you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts whatever you're listening on Spotify, just uh, love to hear from you. Um, in the comments, Chu, I'll leave you a question at the end of the show to kind of meditate and discuss and chew on. And I'll try to jump in the comments with you and discuss it as well. So come hang with me in the comments and we'll have a lot of fun. Secondly, if you have any questions answered on the show, because the third segment is the listener, uh, what do you want to call it? I guess the listener submit questions to be answered in segment three um, until the regular season starts. And we're coming up on, let's see, it's next Thursday. So about 10 days. I know they have eight spring training days worth of games left. So we will do the third segment with, uh, with listener questions until that time. You may notice too, if you're watching on YouTube, I have a different setup here. So my hope is that this is a more, um, listener friendly uh better better sounding better looking operation but um you know what we'll learn as we go along i know we've had some connection issues and that sort of thing so again too if you have like i said if you have questions don't hesitate to ask hit me up twitter comments you name it now today's show is brought to you by ultimate pro baseball gm if you've ever dreamed of becoming an mlb gm and managing your own baseball franchise, this game is for you. To download the game, go into your app store on your phone or to ultimatebaseballgm.com and look it up on the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise if you use the code Locked On, all one word, in caps. Um, that promo code, if you use that promo code, you'll get a 100% boost to your franchise. I downloaded it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think you would really enjoy it, too, if you enjoy this show. If you're of a like mind, I think you should absolutely check it out. So, again, that is Ultimate Baseball GM and UltimateBaseballGM.com or in your app store. So let's let's just go for it. The talk of the news of the day, it is starting to look like the United States We'll take on Mexico in the World Baseball Classic finale on Tuesday. Um, I've enjoyed it more than I expected. Randy Rosarena has had just an absolutely incredible game, uh, double late in the game, but great, great home run robin catch for uh, you know runs that may and have in fact ended up being pivotal. Because um, as we're recording here, it is the bottom of the eighth. So 
Um, just a great job, great moment. And, you know, I think this tournament has started to grow on me and I think it started to grow on baseball fans as well. So I'm hopeful that it continues to gain steam. I know, you know, there's been injuries and that sort of thing and, and nobody wants to see that, but um, having the United States in it is going to also too, I think, get more interest in America. Now, the reason I say that is because I think it seems to me Americans are the least enthused about the tournament. You know, you see Venezuela, you see some of these other teams and the fans are just absolutely unhinged. They're so excited. So hopefully the United States doing well will help American fans engage and really start to enjoy the tournament more. Um, so USA and probably Mexico in the finale will know as soon as I, I publish this. Um, a little bit of news of the day. John Romero signed with the Guardians as a Twins reliever who briefly pitched with the club last year, uh, claimed off waivers from the Nationals. Uh, if you don't remember him, probably not that big of a deal, but uh, seemed to have pretty good stuff, just couldn't stick. Um, Cam Boozer. Now, this is a name that I would understand if you haven't thought of for a long, long time. He was in the Twins system from 2013 to 2017 and then did not pitch anywhere for 2018, 19, or 20. Ended up with the Chicago Dogs in the American Association in 2021 and then split last season between Lancaster in the Atlantic League and Amarillo, which is the double-A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the numbers are not pretty. 6-4-8 ERA at double-A as a 30-year-old, uh, his age 30 season. And even at Lancaster, 4.63 ERA. But I did speak to Alex Spire, one of the Boston Red Sox beat writers, and he's throwing gas. So Boozer's throwing 98. Whether he makes the big leagues or not seems like quite a leap. But just exciting and maybe... To, to see him back at it again and maybe some prospect gurus listening will remember that name from uh, more than a half decade ago. Um, also late last week, and I didn't bring this up, but Hernan Perez signed with the Twins. A little righty, pop, uh, from, pop from the right side, uh, played everywhere, but has not at all been good since about 2018. He's got big league experience with the Brewers, Tigers, Nationals and a tiny little bit with the Cubs back in 2020. So career 250 hitter, 662 OPS, but he has played literally just about every defensive position you can imagine. Yeah, let's see, center, left, yeah, pretty much everything with the exception of catcher. Um, I think it just plays into the fact that they have really, really gone in on minor league uh, or utility man depth, whether it's minor leagues, big leagues, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, uh, a move that if it comes to that, at least they'll have some protection in the form of a player who has, uh, more than 650 big league games. Again, break glass in case of emergency, but you got to have those opportunities too. So these are the battles we're still watching with eight games or eight days worth of games. There's a, a split squad in there. Um, of, of eight days of spring training games left. Opening day next Thursday, Kansas City. Um, you know, we'll see either Zach Greinke or Brady Singer, I would suspect. Um, so we're watching for bullpen spots. Uh, we saw Trevor McGill sent out with Louis Varland and Dennis Santana claimed by the Mets. Um, basically, it feels like this one's going to come down to, because there is a 40-man spot, Jose De Leon, um, Jeff Hoffman, and Danny Coulomb. So De Leon, and I didn't realize there was a space in De Leon's name. There was a pitcher 
let's just say back when I first started watching baseball, who was named Jose De Leon, but with no space. So that's how you can differentiate the two on baseball reference or fan graphs. Um, De Leon's had a high ERA, but he has struck out nine of the 20 batters he's faced. Uh, two went away, pitched in the World Baseball Classic and all that. So I don't know how much stats will tell the story there. I think he's probably, he's not my favorite on the list in terms of if I was trying to bet on it or anything. Um, but I uh, I do like, and my next guy on the list is Jeff Hoffman, two earned runs in five innings pitched, but he has been throwing absolute gas in the spring training uh, games that he's pitched, upper 90s from the left side. Um, I like his shot. You know, he was he was solid. I wouldn't say he was great last year with the with the Reds. Um, that's the guy who came up, uh, actually was drafted by the Blue Jays and then spent a little time in Colorado, actually a lot of time in Colorado, but last year with Cincinnati, 383 ERA and 44 and two thirds innings, uh, more than a strikeout per inning, 45 strikeouts. And, um, just look at that, looking out here, uh, big issues, uh, 4.6 walks per nine and a 1.41 whip. So a little too hittable, but more than anything, too many walks. But at the same time, the stuff is there. If he can even tighten up the command a little bit, you've probably got a pretty, pretty decent middle reliever there. So uh, the final option is Danny Coulomb hasn't given up an earned run this spring. Uh, each of these guys have different opt-outs and that sort of thing. So that will also be in play. For me, I think it's Jeff Hoffman. I think only one of these guys makes it. And so if it was up to me, if I was worried about that guy for me and i like to that certainly doesn't hurt anything oops sorry <laughs> bumped the button my mistake uh yeah so in the uh in the bullpen again I'll, I'll say hoffman um will there be a sixth starter so that is the next question and i have roster resource pulled up they have the twins with five starters no bailey ober um but with that said their bullpen has Randy Dobnak in it as a non-roster invitee, which I do not see happening. They've got Lopez Duran, Jax, Theobar, Pagan, Alcala, and then I'd say those are the six safe ones. They've got Giovanni Moran, who still has two options left, but could be in that mix. And then they have Randy Dobnak. I think possibly Bailey Ober is that spot, and then he's the sixth starter. And instead of Moran, you could see one of the Hoffman, De Leon, Coulomb trio. Um, but we'll see for now. I, I just, I don't see Dominic based on what they, they have there. The only question I have is that a sixth starter doesn't make that much sense to me early in the season when they don't need a fifth for at least two and a half weeks. So do they really need six? And so then in that case, does Ober go down to St. Paul by this time with a, a couple starts down there? and see how things shake out once the schedule kind of picks up. I, I don't know what the answer is there, but I I just I don't see there to be a need for a sixth starter. Now, with that said, obviously Bailey Ober is throwing well enough that he should be in that mix, but he is, you know, how much has he thrown this spring? Is it enough to be stretched out to help this team um, out of the rotation right away? I, I just, I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, and then finally, what kind of pendulum swing are we going to see on the roster? We'll we'll do that. Let, let's let's do this. Let's take a second and talk about uh, Ultimate GM one more time here. Um, make sure I got this here. Ultimate Pro Baseball GM again. If you are uh, fancy yourself as a GM type or or that sort of thing, again, you got to try this game. It's ProBaseballGM.com. Find it in the app stores and uh, locked on all caps. One word will get you one hundred percent free boost to your franchise when using that code. So go in the game store and find it. I'm having an absolute blast with it. If you think I know what you might enjoy, then um, listen to me. You're you're going to love this game. All right, let's keep rolling here. Um, I want to get into how much transparency Twins fans deserve when it comes to injuries. And I think we can kind of roll into that I have the roster resource page pulled up and I'm just going to go through. So the opening or the projected go-to starting lineup versus right-handed pitchers, which they'll face on opening day right now is Buxton at DH, Correa at short, Kepler at in right, Miranda at third, which is curious because he hasn't played there yet this spring. Gallo in left, Vasquez at catcher, Kirilov at first, Michael A. Taylor in center and Nick Gordon at second. So, um, Again, this is this is where the pendulum swing comes into play. The bench to uh, Jeffers, Farmer, Solano, and then they have Larnick as the final guy off the bench. The five starters you would imagine, and then I, I spelled out the bullpen for you. Um, so noted notable by their absence, Jorge Polanco at second base. Uh, you know, recent news coming out that the Twins are pessimistic to downright doubtful he'll be ready. Um, kind of seemed like a slam dunk. Hasn't played yet this spring. Um, I get the sense we'll maybe see Buxton in a game or two here in the uh, the next few days. Hopefully he's been playing AAA backfield games, as has Alex Kirilov, who lined a ball off Juwan Duran, almost uh, doing damage while showing he's healthy, kind of a net zero there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. if So assuming Kirilov is ready, is, your, is Buxton in center, is your DH Miranda? Is Kirilov in left and maybe Kepler has some hip stuff. So Gallo moves to right. The, 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 that's the pendulum swing I'm talking about because, you know, obviously Solano could play first, Farmer could play third. Where does Miranda play? Buxton could play center, Buxton could DH. Where does Taylor play? Taylor's on the bench. Does Larnick DH? Um, all those moving parts to me make for not a bad problem to have if you're a manager because you have – uh, different lineups that you can go to every day. You're going to have big league caliber players at your disposal, no matter who is or isn't up that day, uh, which is good. But I just, I don't know how this is all going to pan out to the point where I would feel comfortable talking about an opening day lineup. And I I did Friday, we we did a, a Q&A session and I basically tried to predict the infield and I said, Jorge Blanco at second base. So that shows you, <laughs> how one, how quickly things can change and two, what I know. Um, you know, with that said, this, this has Kirilov Gordon at second Korea and then Miranda at third. I, again, Miranda hasn't played third yet. He's still dealing with a shoulder, but how much third does he actually have to play before you're like, Oh yeah, he can go over there. He's played third base his whole life. Um, you know, again, eight, still eight days worth of games. If he goes over there and plays two, three, four days, he's probably going to be just fine. Um, and then in that case, then it becomes first base between Kirilov, Gallo, uh, 
you know, it's it, again, uh, what, where will Gordon fit into this after he's been dealing with a couple of dings in the spring and that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of the pendulum swing I'm looking at, but if it goes as we kind of see it going with Polanco starting the season on the injured list, it looks like roster resource thinks Trevor Larnick will sneak onto the roster as the last position player, which I mean, I have no gripe with, especially if, you know, for instance, they want to pinch hit Larnick late and then Farmer comes in for defensive reasons or or that sort of thing. Uh, it's going to give Rocco Baldelli some tactical advantages late in games to uh, to do a diff- couple different things. Now, let's t- let's talk about transparency. Um, it just it seems like there's an overwhelming urge for Twins fans to just freak out about. Oh, the twins said it was this many weeks and it ended up being that many weeks. What what people are trying to get is certainty out of, by definition, uncertain circumstances. What many twins fans want to know is like the second a guy rolls his ankle, is it broken? Is it sprained? Is it two weeks? Is it six weeks? Is it 10 weeks? Is it the rest of the season? And when the team doesn't have those things, it's viewed as a cop-out. Well... Think about when you sprain your ankle as, for instance, me, a 30-something out-of-shape softball player. Will I feel better next week, the week after, the week after that? Will it linger the rest of the summer? And and keep in mind, I'm not one of these finely-tuned athletes where um, I have to be at peak performance and, and all that sort of thing. So the other thing, too, is if they say six to eight weeks and it's less – or excuse me, that, that ends up being less than what it ends up being, then the team misdiagnosed it. If it ends up being more, then the team misdiagnosed it. Um, people just want clarity where clarity doesn't exist, if if that makes sense. So uh, I understand a, a, a Twins fan's desire to know if Jorge Polanco is going to be ready for opening day on March the 4th, for instance. But if the team doesn't know, what do you want the team to say? Because the team's saying, we don't know, straight up, not maybe, we hope so, we don't know, which is the truth. Um, The optics of that, I think, are worse than the team being wrong by being optimistic. But if the team's optimistic and wrong, pessimistic and wrong, um, either way, they're kind of like a catch-22. Darned if you don't, danged if you do. So... um, and I believe we have a final too. Nope, sorry, uh, not yet. Uh, Mexico is uh, getting ready to finish off Japan. Knock on wood, for the sake of uh, for Mexico. So anyway, sorry. Back to injuries. Um, yeah. So I just the the what fans are trying to get is certainty out of uncertain situations, and it's just kind of maddening because the expectation is that teams and medical staffs are going to be. Um, I mean, better that better at this than regular doctors who can't tell you how long you're going to need for certain things to heal and that sort of thing. So um, I don't know. I just I think you know I, I posed this question on Twitter, and some people said they owe the the utmost transparency, and some said you know they cited HIPAA. They said they don't know Twins fans anything. Um, I think I fall somewhere in between where I'd like to have a general idea but that I don't have to take it as gospel because yeah, I would like to know 
if Byron Buxton is going to DH for the first month of the season or five of every seven games he plays, or if that's just his new spot. Like, I would like to know, but it doesn't mean I have a right to know. It doesn't mean I have a right to slam the team because they don't tell me or they tell me and they're wrong. Um, so I got I have a gripe with how people handle that, though, because it's like, um, it almost reminds me of, and I, I sent this to a friend, the Arrested Development meme where the uh, the Alliance of Magicians say, we demand to be taken seriously. Like, Twins fans are demanding transparency where transparency doesn't exist. So um, I like the idea that Twins fans want to know more about the team, be engaged with the team. It's why podcasts like this exist. But again, there's a lot of times where people are trying to find things that just aren't there, that just don't exist. And um, so I would just I would just caution people to say, yes, I know you want to know when Jorge Polanco is going to be back. But just because a team doesn't have a concrete answer doesn't mean they're lying to you. OK. All right. Before we wrap it up with questions from you, our dear listeners, we need to talk about FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash locked on where you can make every moment more. Don't miss the chance. Get your no sweat first bet. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Locked on is the, uh, that's their, that's, that's our primary betting sponsor, FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can do parlays. You can bet on individual elements of games, on games. You can do daily fantasy stuff. You can do all kinds of stuff at FanDuel.com. Do you want to take a look at college basketball, NBA, NHL? I don't know if anybody bets on NHL now that I think about it. I just you never hear about it, right? Um, March Madness, though, like I said, uh, college basketball. Baseball, coming up. The reason that we're here. Um, you have a lot of options. So FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. Get that no sweat first bet and get off and rolling. Now, the listener questions to bring us home. Final segment of Monday's program. March 20th. And again, like I said, using a new setup here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of get a feel for it. Hopefully it works better. Still working through some connection issues online that um, we're going to probably wire up the internet. So hold, bear with us if the, the video is a little choppy today, but we're getting there. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's answer some questions before we get out of here. Uh, Josiah Waldner, who was one of our most devoted listeners to the postcast last year, which I was on, wants to know: Would you rather have? Would you rather have elite offense with average pitching or average offense with elite pitching? So, I, I think the first one is it's the 2019 Twins, right? And and that team was a whole heap of fun. Uh, set the home run record. To call them average pitching probably isn't fair from the sense that their pitching war was pretty solid, Fangraph's war and all that. But they didn't wow you with anybody. I mean, the fact that Randy Dobnak started a playoff game should probably tell you something. Um, Kyle Gibson goes down, isn't the same Kyle Gibson down the stretch. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, you know, decent pitcher, but not a lot of teams probably want him starting the the uh, third playoff game or second if it had been uh, – based on merit rather than Randy Dobnak starting in Yankee Stadium for some reason. Um, yeah, I think I'd rather have the uh, the 2019 Twins as opposed to I'm trying to think of an average offense with elite pitching. It would probably be one of the early 2000s teams, um, you know, the ones where the pitching 
especially the bullpen with Juan Rincon and, and JC Romero and Joe Nathan were good. Uh, Johan Santana, Brad Radke, obviously that. Um, both have their merits, but for me, I think I prefer the elite offense just because the name of the game is scoring runs. You still have to prevent runs, but if you can't prevent runs and win if you don't score any. Um, and I think it's more frustrating to never be uh, to never put up runs in bunches and have to just kind of like bite your nails down the stretch to hope your team comes through. Whereas the lead offense, you can just bash teams over the head. Um, but I, neither of them are are obviously uh, obviously better than the other one. But I I'm going to lead offense. And actually, too, in the comments, if you want to share where you stand on that, I would love to hear that. Um, Twitter user Brown Creepy, what a what a name there. Uh, what's up with Trevor Larnick? Where do you see him fitting in this year? Uh, with the injury issues that the team has right now and the uncertainty, mostly with Jorge Polanco, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if roster resources onto something and that he he sneaks in on the back end of the roster. And then at that point, if he's healthy... I really see big things from him offensively. We saw how good he could be before the core muscle injury last year. If there's a there's a definite divide in his numbers from the the first I don't want to call it half because it wasn't exactly half, but you go like the first month or whatever in the last month like if you if you get that obvious rift in there that you can find baseball uh, baseball reference has those splits um he was he was doing great playing very good outfield defense which I think was a surprise too. Um, you know, it, a lot depends on who stays healthy, who doesn't, but if Gallo doesn't hit, probably steal some time from him. If Kepler doesn't hit, same deal there. Kepler gets traded, same deal where Larnick can sneak in there. Um, if AK has to play a lot of first base, that's a good sign for Larnick. It would be surprising to me if Larnick makes the team out of spring training that he doesn't get 350, 375, 400 plate appearances because you don't have a guy like that to, to rot on your bench. You're going to have him pinch hit, maybe, especially too, they are, they're going to be in a position to pinch hit for catchers because they'll have a capable defensive catcher on the bench and capable game-calling catcher on the bench at all times. So you pinch hit a lot of games, start a couple of days a week, um, somebody gets hurt, you step in, and then if you take off, you take off. I still believe in Larnick, and I think there's a pretty good chance he um, does some good things for this team this year. Um, I think Tyler Hartman asked, excuse me, is Kenta Maeda seriously going to take away big league starts from Bailey Ober, even though he hasn't looked like a big league pitcher since 2020? Now, I, I don't think that's entirely fair, because keep in mind, he didn't pitch last year. That's not really fair. Um, 2021, he was still 1.6 war, Fangraphs war, and 106 innings, strikeout per inning, didn't walk anybody. Uh, the ERA was high, but the FIP, 410 FIP, 373 X ERA, 399 X FIP. That's still a very good pitcher, and you should be delighted to have a guy like that as your number five. So I think Ober's still going to probably make 16, 18, 20 starts for the team this year. Maybe it comes at the expense of Maeda. Maybe it comes at the expense of somebody getting hurt. But honestly, uh, the one thing we know is you can never have too much pitching. And for all the worrying that we do at this point in the offseason slash spring training, um, 
these guys all find a way to get their playing time one way or another. So I'm not too worried about it. And I think Kenta, if he stays healthy, is going to have a nice year. You know, he's a number five starter, maybe four something ERA. Uh, perfectly solid. They'll find ways to get Bailey Ober involved, though. I'm, I'm confident in that. Um, and then finally, Devlin says, or asks rather, uh, I think this is the deepest starting rotation the Twins have had. Uh, he says 32 years. He's going back to 1991. He wants to know, what say you? Quality at the top, young depth, um, not as much of a sense of, uh-oh, when a pitcher goes down, knowing they'd be replaced by an Archer Bundy, a Shoemaker, a J-Hap, that sort of thing. Um, I did talk about this. I'm trying to remember where it was. I think as far as rotations, the you know the 91 and the 92 rotations were solid. Um, for me, my favorite one is 2006 just because Santana Liriano can't be beat. Um, you know, Brad Radke, oh my goodness, Japan won, so it's not Mexico. <laughs> I'll have to eat my words. Anyway, um, the 2016 had Liriano, Santana, Radke, Booth Bonser, Scott Baker, Matt Garza. Now, those guys were not all at their peak. Garza, nothing special. Baker, not great. Bonser was solid, but... This kind of was his ceiling. But the, the pitching talent on that team, to me, is kind of the best one. I know they didn't win the World Series like the 91 team did. Um, the 2019 team, again, some of their parts where they were a sum of their parts, I should say. I got to articulate that a little better. Um, so I'm going to need to see something to for sure say that they're better than 2006. And again, 2006 is probably just an aesthetic thing for me because they just had the look. The 2016 was stacked once they got moving um, in June, July and, and really started playing really good baseball after that tough start. Um, Luriano outduels Roger Clemens in Houston, that sort of thing. But yes, this team is in that conversation just due to the sheer depth. Um, that conversation changes a lot if Tyler Malley's velo sags. If... Um, you know, we'll see what Sonny Gray's capable of a, a year older. Pablo Lopez coming over to the AL, not as big of a deal with the DH now in the National League, but different hitters could be good, could be bad. Um, yeah, I I think this has got the potential to be a very special Twins rotation. I'm buying what you're. I'm buying what Devlin is selling in terms of this being a special rotation. Um, not saying top five, top whatever in the major leagues, but we've seen some pretty shaking, shaky pitching around here the last decade plus. Um, this should hopefully put not an end to that, but definitely a footnote to it. All right. So our question for the road to answer in the comments is I want to know which position battle you are most closely keeping an eye on over these last 10 days, eight games, eight, eight days worth of games in spring training. Are you watching the bullpen? Are you watching to see if there'll be a sixth starter? Are you looking to see who's going to be healthy coming out for that last bench spot and who's going to play first, who's going to play third, who's going to DH? I want to know who you're keeping an eye on here down the home stretch of spring training before the boys of summer come up to freeze their buns off. Now, with all that said, that's a wrap for Locked on Twins March 20th. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you follow me at Brandon underscore Warren, Locked on Min, M-I-N. That's the network. And, of course, Locked On Twins, which is 
what you're listening to right now. As well as, please, five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever they allow you to listen and review. We would be delighted to have that review from you. Hang out in the comments section. Send me questions. Love to have this be an interactive show. But, um, yeah, thanks for checking us out. And this is Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow because we're going to have an AL Central roundtable for you. It'll be later in the day, um, but it's going to be a doozy. So, again, thank you for checking out Locked On Twins, and we'll see you tomorrow.